This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, the best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Jamar Tisby, or should I say Jamarion? What's going on, bro? (laughs) Uh, I got a confession to make. Here we go with these surprise confessions again. I met someone. I met someone else. Um, Who who did you meet? it, 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 It wasn't anything that I planned. It was just happenstance. Um, we ran into each other. We exchanged numbers. One thing led to another. And well, um, I have a new barber. No, bro. You have a new barber? Yeah. 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 Look, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is serious. I actually did not know you were going to say this. Wait a second. So what happened to the current barber that you had prior to this new barber situation? You know, it, it was an it was a complicated situation. Uh, there were there were two main barbers at this shop I was going to. The one guy switched his schedule so that when I regularly went on Tuesdays, he wasn't there anymore. And so then I had to switch to the other guy just by necessity. Now the other guy and I, we never really clicked. You know, he he did a decent cut. I had no complaints there, but like there wasn't any you know good back and forth banter. I never even got his number to be able to set up an appointment or anything like that. He was always mm. you know just very kind of uh, in Come and on, out. Bro. Then one day I had uh, a traveling deal, so I couldn't go on my normal day, and there was only one other barbershop open. And I went in, and my man, his name is Bug. We just clicked. He was talking, got the number the first day. Ever since then, it's been about three times. I just text him like, yo, I'll be there in half an hour. He's like, bet, no wait, 15, 20 minutes in and out. It's what? Dope. You know, you have to set up an appointment. Listen, my barber is booked. Three, <laughs> I, I just had this happen. My barber is booked five days in advance. What? Okay. I'm not joking. He's booked five days in advance. And he's he goes to my church, cool dude. But at the same time, if I don't, so I could like maybe squeeze something in, but he's got regular appointments. And so oh, I have to go on a style seat app. You ain't even got and like, my pastor church hookup. <laughs> no, like it doesn't even work. And I'm like, bro, I'm, come on, bro. Like I'm your pastor. Like this should be a thing. But it doesn't, you know, I don't want to like pull that card, but sometimes I'm like, bro, like Sunday morning is coming and I need you know, I mean- to not have a busted hairline. When I stand before the people and proclaim God's holy word, because Jesus is the main, Jesus is the main thing, right? Like Jesus is the main thing. It, you know, it makes it, <laughs> this is a side note. This is totally <laughs> off topic, but they had their preachers and sneakers thing. We need it. Look, number one, preachers and sneakers. It feels like a whole lot different for sneakerheads. Word. Like, so this feels like a cultural, like miss because I'm like, man, some sneakerheads might be wearing some really nice shoes within the pulpit and they not trying to flaunt it but they got it for like 160 150 or on the flip for like 200 or whatever but then also if we had to do like our version 
of preachers and sneakers. It would be suits, uh-huh. obviously, and like hairlines. Ah, uh-huh. because we'd be taking that thing seriously. Like, yo, that thing crispy. It, there's certain pastors that they even be showing on their IG, like them getting a haircut like two hours before. I'm so mad at them. I'm like, ugh. You got a barber like in the church on call. You got a special place. It's a line item and in the budget. It's like what? Like, yeah, yeah like come on, man. That, that's not that's exorbitant. But at the same time, I'm like, I get it because I just went into church today with a busted hairline, and I was just like so keeping my head down or tilted up to the side. <laughs> and just being like, hey, and it was it was Mother's Day, so it's like, hey, like, hey, how you Pastor doing? Burns is looking down on us. What's this? <laughs> He's like, nah. <laughs> Look, I just hey, I, I carry my daughter around, and then people focus on her and not the hairline. <laughs> so I was like, bro, I was I was supposed to record some with someone today. I was like, I can't record, bro. Well, my I'm hair just right. off. I'm sorry, like it's a thing. It's a thing. I can't do it. It's gonna go out to the public. Nah, if it's some in house, like that's one thing. But nah, I can't. <laughs> Anyway, bro, you just broke like all barber code. Like that's like a black man. Hey, look, look. I don't know. That's a serious thing. You just completely ignored, but you just ghosted him. I didn't want to use that word. You ghosted. It had to be done. Look, the priority is the haircut. All right. I gave it, I gave the relationship some time. It just wasn't clicking. It was a two way thing. I'm sure he ain't even mad. He ain't even asking. He probably doesn't even know my Look, name. Man. As as you guys can tell, we're a bit lighthearted on this episode of PTM, but we got to get into a serious topic. Um, Jamar, we're going to talk about barber code, barber etiquette at another time. <laughs> um, I know we did have the barbershop episode, but we didn't really get into like etiquette and all that. That's a serious topic. Um, y'all, y'all feel free to tweet at Jamar uh, uh, asking nah, what was he nah, thinking, nah, just leaving nah. his barber just, high and just, dry. Just put that on Tyler. He, support black business. Support black business. Um, nah, man, I did the same thing. Like, but it was like four years ago, so I don't feel like that. <laughs> okay, now moving on. Um, <laughs> yo, so I was I was listening to this clip, man. I was listening to this clip, and some of y'all already know what I'm gonna say because I tweeted about it. And it was a good provocation. I don't want to. I don't want to pile on our brother. I don't want to beat him up. I'm, you know, trying to get really careful about using names on the podcast. You know, we had some wise people tell us, you know, principalities over people. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I get you. I get you. You're right. You're right. So there was this clip though, and I can't get away from this clip. It was from our brother, our uncle Steve Harvey, and the Steve Harvey Talk Show. And I think this was an old clip too. Jamar, you saw this clip, right? Oh, yeah. No doubt. And he basically says, rich people, and I'll just quote you. I'll quote you what he says. Rich people don't sleep eight hours a day. That's a third of your life. It ain't but 24 hours in a day. You cannot be sleep eight hours a day. You can't live in L.A. and get up at eight o'clock in the morning. It's 11 o'clock on the East Coast. The stock market been open two hours. They're already making decisions about your life. And you're behind, even though he didn't say that, was sleep. Then he quotes the Bible. He quotes the Bible, Jamar. The Bible says, he who loves to sleep and the folding of hands, poverty will set upon you like a thief in the night. Okay. And that's how the clip ends. He said, rich people don't sleep eight hours a day. Now, it's easy for us. It was easy for me to look back and say, what is his brother talking about? What is he considering? Because I, all the rich people I know sleep like the dead. <laughs> 
So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, is that totally true? Because I feel like they sleep like really well. They look fresh. Like every time I see them, they, their eyes, they're not bags under their eyes. Like you can clearly see the color on their face. That's just not my experience, but I've never been rich. So I don't know if that's a thing, but it's really easy to look back and say, man, you, you crazy, but it kind of developed something in me. It provoked me in a good way. It was a healthy provocation. I was like, man, if I'm saying I'm choosing health over wealth, if I had the choice, then am I truly healthy? Hmm. Have you ever thought that? You thinking that recently, Jamar, because you've been on the road, you got best-selling book, you got Ooh. wife and kid, all this stuff's going on. Your travel schedule is crazy. You're recording these podcasts. You got all this heat from trolls. You're trying to lead a movement, lead an organization. You really feel like you healthy? <laughs> you're going to put me right on the spot. Um, I'm going to be honest with y'all. No, you I'm know. just curious. I'm just curious. Like you may feel like you 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 may have it. So I'm just curious. Um, so I would say I am not performing at optimal optimal levels. Um, I could be. I feel. I feel it in 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 my physical body and my mental state as well. Like there's 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 a level that I just can't quite access because I'm not doing the things that I need to do to take care of my my mind and my body. And so I've told a couple of people this, they've asked how the book tour is going and, and, and all that. And I look back at my calendar. I haven't been home for more than 10 days at a stretch since January. So I've always had some trip, some travel, Oof, some goodness. whatever, which is, you know, obviously strains relationships with family because my wife is a saint and has taken on so much while I'm gone. Um, my son doesn't see me as much and just that quality time. And then, of course, uh, the wear and tear and the toll it takes on on you personally just to, to travel. Even if you're just sitting on a plane, you know, the stress of getting through the airport, getting to where you need to go, meeting new people, presenting, whatever it might be. And then so that's affected sleep. That's affected time with the Lord. That's affected time at church, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right. So. It's it, I'm functional, but not optimal. And I think that's a, where a lot of people are. Like we're, we're going through the motions. We're doing what we need to do. We're checking the boxes, going to work, taking care of family as best we can, um, you know, responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. But are we at the optimal level? And if we're not, then what do we need to do to get there? Right. So is is there some sense in your life, because I feel this way in my life, that if you're not unhealthy, not if you're not unhealthy, but if you're not grinding, quote unquote, like there's just this romanticized, mythologized sense that we're supposed to be working ourselves, burning the candle at both ends. And we've been asking this question like internally as a team, Jamar and I have been asking this question almost every week. It's like, how do we build something? We talk about this a lot. Everyone's the the brand new phrase. Everybody says, build your own table. We use it all the time. Build your own table, build your own table, build your own table. But then we take a step back and you're like, how are we going to build the own table? How are we going to build our own table if we're unhealthy? Like, how are we going to build? How are we even going to have the strength to build our own table if we're not positively constructing our lives, our mind, body, spirit? like our our mentality our emotions and it seems like there's a gap there there's a there's a desire to build infrastructure there's a desire to build institution there's a desire to kind of concretize all these things that we're talking about on the podcast 
And there's pushing toward that. But at the same time, we took a step back and say, man, it doesn't seem like our lives are producing the type of optimal level in health, in lifestyle, in community, in family, and all these things, finances, which is a whole separate issue. Mm. It just doesn't seem like it's, it's, it's getting like the same level of intensity, the same level of, you know, as you said, optimum, optimum performance. And so is, is there like a sense in which you feel like we, we feel like, Oh, I'm building, building this own table. I'm leading the movement. And so I have to burn the candle at both Uh, things. I mean, yeah, it's like, so it reminds me of Martin Luther King Jr. He was assassinated at the age of 39. And when they performed the autopsy, Doctors said he yeah. had the heart of a 60-year-old, which is wild. <laughs> but when you think about what this man went through for the sake of justice, and so everything that you just said, Tyler, is is sort of multiplied by for those of us who are involved in some sort of justice work because sin never sleeps. The injustice never goes <laughs> to bed. <laughs> yeah. And, right, and so right. we feel like, you know, every every time that we rest we are sort of letting injustice get ahead of us um letting letting things happen when if we just put forth a little bit more effort one more email one more phone call one more blog post or article whatever it might be then we're doing our part never recognizing that if we don't take care of ourselves we're we're taking ourselves completely out of the race and that resting is just pacing yourself. It's not It's not taking yourself out of the race. It's pacing yourself because you recognize it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think uh, mm-hmm. this is certainly true of myself. We sort of get up every day like it's a sprint and we don't have that rhythm. Right. We don't have that rhythm to our lives that would make it sustainable. And at the end of the day, it's going to kill us, whether it's it's physically through high blood pressure and hypertension, John Singleton, legendary filmmaker, died young. Hypertension, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. so many of us are taken out by that, particularly in the black community. Um, or it, it will take us out; it'll kill us spiritually because we're not doing the things we need mm-hmm. to do relationally uh, or or for our souls that we need to do. So this is this is life or death stuff at the end of the day. Yeah, so I think it's also not just from a theological standpoint, a spiritual standpoint of, you know, sin never sleeps. So we're constantly trying to fight it. We're constantly trying to to outrun, you know, the enemy schemes and out strategize the things that we're seeing in the world that are being erected in a way that we think is unjust or or you know inequitable. But at the same time, I think there's also this sociological pressure because I think there is a pressure amongst Black people in particular, to counteract, and again, going back to myths and misconceptions, there's a pressure among Black people to counteract the myth of Black laziness, that Black people are intrinsically lazier, people of color are intrinsically lazier than majority culture people. And so based upon that, we stress ourselves and work hard, and we take our achievements very seriously, and we take our accomplishments and we we like to laud those and we like to pursue the promotions and we like to pursue certain things, not because they're bad, but because we've been told through society and through a number of things historically, which you can talk about, Jamar, we've been told that we're intrinsically, our culture is lazier than other cultures. And our culture is lagging behind because we're not doing hard work. 
and there's just this mentality, which I think dates even all the way back to slavery, dates back to Jim Crow. And I think it's why people are resistant to certain things. They're resistant to calls for justice because they believe this myth, this misconception that we're lazy. So we're trying to prove something to someone or prove something to family members or prove something to our significant other or prove something to ourselves that what people have told about us, there's a lot of trauma in that. What people have said about us, what people have doubted that we were capable of, we can actually go and do that. And all these external factors, but especially I think from a cultural sociological standpoint, it's like people always ask you, what's the first thing they ask you? What is it that you do? You know, where do you work? Like, what's your occupation? What's your profession? And if you mention certain things, people are going to be like, oh, okay, well, that's good. (laughs) And now you feel like, oh, man, I have to have two jobs, three jobs. I have to do this. I have to advance. I have to, we we like to use certain titles to counteract the perception that we do low class work. Yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an assistant supervisor to the manager when it's really like, yo, you the head of, of this, but that don't sound good. Like you, what it really is, man, you're, you know, you're assistant this or you're that, but that doesn't sound good. So we have to embellish it. They go, I'm executive this to that. And we're just killing ourselves. Like again, trying to prove, we're trying to prove something to other people based upon like our culture, because there's something in us that despises where we, where we come from. And, and it's the, also the idea that you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. So we know that if we are average in academics, in uh, the professional world, whatever it might be, then as a person of color, particularly as a black person, that's not going to be seen as nearly enough. Even if other folks are doing the exact same and being applauded or lauded for it, or at least not denigrated for it, we know that as black people, because of these perceptions of laziness, of not being capable, that we actually feel the pressure to go above and beyond just to prove our our basic worth, just to get on par mm-hmm. with everyone else, let alone to be seen or recognized as having exceptional talent, which takes even more effort. So this thing is 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 really hard. But you you mentioned a minute ago the historical aspect. Um, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, the historic aspect of like this myth that's even like even top ranking, high ranking politicians and presidents have <laughs> bought into this myth and used it to get reelected. So let me go back even further and then I'll talk about some of these politicians. So uh, there's a theological aspect to it, to where white theologians, uh, white Christians in general, thought of black people as lazy and therefore on the basis of that said, race-based chattel slavery was a necessity to keep Black people productive. So, for example, there was a Southern Presbyterian theologian named Robert Louis Dabney. He wrote uh, a book, A Defense of Virginia and Through Her of the South. And in that book, he defended not just Virginia, he defended the Old South and, and slavery. And he, but basically, Dabney accepted the moral and intellectual debasement of enslaved black people. And he believed that if they were left to their own devices, quote, they would tend toward lying, theft, drunkenness, laziness, and waste. It was only by, Hmm. yeah, it was only by being uh, controlled by the, quote, nobler race that 
people of African descent could be elevated above their natural bent of laziness and waste and drunkenness and lying and theft. So it's a very old idea that 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 black people need to have these tight strictures on their behavior because otherwise we'll tend toward very unproductive things. But Dabney is saying this all the way back in the 19th century. What about more recently? Well, you can think of the Republican darling, Ronald Reagan. Y'all's fave, your king. <laughs> you do O-R-R, the dude just your fave out here wilding, y'all. Yeah, so you know. Go ahead, tell them about this. A lot of folks like to lift, lift up Reagan as this sort of ideal conservative, um, but there's some very troublesome aspects of his presidency in a lot of ways, but particularly related to tropes about black people. So I'm sure many of our listeners will recognize the phrase welfare queen. It is a derogatory term. And uh, Reagan used it. He told the story of a woman from Chicago with, quote, 80 names, 30 addresses, 12 social security cards. And, and basically he was saying this is a woman who gamed the social support system for $150,000 annual tax-free income. And so the welfare queen became a stand-in for the president's and other Republican or conservative criticism of supposedly an undeserving class of poor people, especially inner city black people. So this idea of a welfare queen, um, which has persisted throughout the decades, is that there are all these black people, women especially, who are just having babies in order to get a government paycheck and not have to work. Meanwhile, the hardworking Americans, quote, you know, coded white Americans are doing the real work, but then they're getting taxed to death in order to subsidize the lazy lifestyle mm -hmm. of black people. So that's what we're dealing with. So this myth, man, it, I think it forces us into this external pressure, but also an internal pressure because society is subtly training us, is subtly discipling us, raising us to think these things sociologically about ourselves and about people who look like us. But at a certain point, we have to take responsibility as well for what we're doing with our lives, what we're doing with our bodies, what we're doing with our minds and how we're protecting them. And it's crazy because I should have had this wake up call earlier because there was a moment in my high school years where I had a health scare. Back in my high school days, I was a two-sport athlete. I was in great shape, um, running track, playing basketball. Um, I felt like I was sleeping well at night. You know, there weren't cell phones and stuff to keep me up late. I felt like I was doing really well. And the first day of my sophomore year, come home, have this splitting headache. Like, I can't even keep my eyes open. And I'm like, what is causing these headaches? Like, I went to the optometrist recently, like over that summer, everything looked good. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Like, what's the issue here? And this persisted for like a week. Like I had splitting headaches. It felt like deep migraines. Like my head was like splitting in two and there was nothing that could stop it. And so I went to the doctor and they were like, you know, they did the battery of tests. And the first thing they did, obviously, is check my blood pressure. And they're like, bro, your blood pressure is insane. Hmm. Like bottom number, it was like 160 over like 120. So my bottom number was like through the roof. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yo, what's going on? Like, do you exercise? I'm like, yeah. Like I work out all the time for sports and, you know, 
so they're running me through these tests. They're like, man, like what is going on? So they, they're like, maybe you're just hyped up right now. And maybe you're just nervous or maybe you're just subconsciously thinking about something. And so they check my blood pressure again. It's still high, even higher. And they're like, no, we need to bring you back every day and check your blood pressure. And, and we need you to check your blood pressure at home to make sure that everything is, is on the up and up. They check in my blood pressure. It's through the roof. It's through the roof. And I'm like, bro, what is happening? So my parents are concerned. They're concerned. They recommend me to get a battery of tests. They check blood pressure on my legs, <laughs> blood pressure on my, like everything. It was crazy. I, I didn't know you could check blood pressure on all these different places. Like hmm. your left arm, your right arm, your thigh. Like I was like, what is happening here? And it was always high. And so they sat down with me and they had a heart to heart. They're like, what does he eat? Like on a regular basis. And so- we talked about, you know, man, it's a, it's a meal of convenience. Every time we go home, like we got to grab something really quick. And we identified this number five from McDonald's, bro. Oh. Like this big and tasty meal with cheese. Whew. And I was eating it two, three, four times a week just because it was fuel for once I got home after a workout or after, you know, classes or what have you. And so it was just the easiest thing. Yeah. And my parents obviously were pastoring a really large church in the area. And so they were just stretched to the max. And they had two younger kids that were in school. And so pickup was at different times. And it was just, man, it was a mad dash to get home and get everything together. And they're like, do you realize how unhealthy you are? I'll never forget when the doctor told me that. The doctor looked across the table. Do you realize how unhealthy you are and how dangerous this is for your future? teenager. And I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm feeling great, though. I feel... Like outside of these headaches before that, I I thought I was good. They're like, you are so unhealthy. Like you will send yourself to an early grave if you don't change your eating habits. And I was like, bruh, this is, you telling me I got to change. You telling me I got to exercise discipline. And so it led to a whole bunch of changes in my life. And so I had that, that hard moment, that moment of, of internal like reflection I need to change. And I feel like now, you know, I'm I'm 30. I have a kid and another one on the way. There's a whole bunch of things I'm doing. I'm traveling a lot. Stress is high. Trying to pay bills. Trying to survive. Trying to help this movement go forward. Discipling people. Preaching. And I feel like I'm getting to another moment, Jamar. Like, I feel like I'm at this moment where I'm like, bro, I'm really unhealthy again. And I don't like that. I don't like how I feel. I don't like the way that I, you know, wake up in the morning, how I feel when I wake up. I don't like the fact that I can't get good sleep at night. I don't like that. And I'm being honest and transparent on the pod because I think a lot of times people people assume that people in the spotlight or people in prominent places, they assume that they're doing okay. And they assume that everything is right. And I'm not saying I'm in a crisis mode, but I just know I'm not as healthy as I should be, not as healthy as I could be. And I need to change that. And I'm saying it publicly to all y'all because I need accountability. I want to be around for my grandkids. I want to be around for years to come so that the movement can go forward, so that a positive change and impact can be made in my local community, so that people can know about Jesus and who he is. And I can't do that if I'm in an early grave. So, bro, I think we should do a challenge. I think it's time. We both saying we functional, but we not optimal. And if we're functional and not optimal, we're not saying we're we're not saying you're not. 
but I suspect there will be at least 10 to 15 other people, maybe more, <laughs> maybe 10 to 15% of our audience that would say, I'm not healthy either. I need to get better. It's not about, like, I think there's a lot of vanity that goes into like health stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mm-hmm. talking about that. Like, you know, you work out one time, you ready for Black Panther 2, like you ready to fight Killmonger. Um, there's a lot of that. Like you take a picture of yourself after you ran down the street and you're like, bro, I'm just, I'm the healthiest person ever. Like I feel. Michael B. Jordan. It could be whatever. I'm coming for you. Yeah. Like I'm ready for Creed. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I am Creed. Like that's who I am. Like, I feel like there's a lot of unhealthiness, but I think we need to get back to like a very consistent, a very consistent standard of what health looks like for us. And I'll never forget. We were talking to uh, Dr. Christina Emerson earlier this week praise God for group chats. And she mentioned something that I screenshotted and it just provoked this in me. She was like, black health is a revolutionary act. Mm. Say that again. Like for black people to be, black health is a revolutionary act. Come on, Dr. Christina. Like it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary for you to be healthy. And we were talking about something totally different. I was like, bro, that's all right. And I was in the grocery store when she said, I got to put like six items back, fam. I got like seven items back, like in a heartbeat. That's real. That's real. So I think we should do a challenge. And here's how we decided we're going to do it. We're going to do a challenge. We're going to challenge you guys to get involved with it. Um, We're going to talk about stipulations, but we didn't know how we were going to structure it. So we didn't know what should we do? What should we not do? So a good healthy challenge is probably going to include some things you need to cut out, but also some things that you need to add. So some things you need to negatively not do and some things you need to positively do. And so we decided, why not we just why don't we just surprise ourselves, do four things that we're going to cut and four things that we're going to add. And we're going to choose these things because we could not choose. We're just sitting back and forth saying, what are we going to say? Like, how are we going to structure this? So what we're going to do is Jamar is going to throw out two negatives, two positives. I'm going to throw out two negatives, two positives. We don't know what the other person is going to say. So we have no idea what we're agreeing to. It's one of those things that we're just going to agree on the front end and <laughs> hope that these things include mind, body, spirit. So it's a holistic health challenge. And y'all know Tyler. It's, what you mean? He going to come out with something way on the left field. It's no, no, be, no, 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 no. I, I know you. Be... You sneaky, man. It's good. It's going to be good. It's going to be healthy, but it's going to be something nobody's expecting. So I'm no, expecting no, no, the no. unexpected because it's you. Because it's you. I'm not, look, I'm not saying, I'm not, it's going to be, I think mine's pretty, pretty straightforward. So let's do this. Let's go back and forth. Let's start with the negative things that we're going to cut. So you give one, I give one, and we'll just equal up to four. And so basically, if you're participating in the health challenge, you're just going to do these things. You're going to agree to do these things. And we, we're coming up with a start date and a, a time delineation as well. But you're going to choose to do these things. And this could be anything, and we want you to be healthy. We want you to to do it in a safe way. So if we say something like delete your social media apps, but your work requires you to be on social media, don't delete your social media apps. Like Just uh, adjust it accordingly. But we're going to equal up to four things. Okay, so Jamar, list your first one and then the category that is found in, whether it's mind, body, or spirit. Okay, this one goes in body, health, and earth health, if you will. 
So what, Earth House, uh, that boy a hotel. Yeah, that boy a secret okay. hotel. No, no, no. What? <laughs> I'm talking about climate. I'm talking about earth. taking care of the planet. He I'm talking about stewardship. Genesis I'm one. With one. I'm one with this earth. Look, look. Lord said, "Have dominion." So we 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 need to take care. He cleaned of, that up. Of, he of cleaned that up so quick theologically. Look at you. Look at you. Look, look, look. Jamari so, so, <laughs> Um. So I'm from the Midwest, and uh, food wise, we're we're meat and potato people. Like my favorite comfort meal is my mom's fried pork chops. Uh, uh, sliced potatoes fried in a come pan. Come on, come on, come on, bro. Stop, maybe, man. Come you know, on, bro. A green vegetable. It's okay. So, so, but here's the thing, planet health too, um, meat is an extremely detrimental thing. Our consumption of meat is extremely detrimental to the health of the planet because it requires so much land, so much water, so much energy, so much output (sighs) to eat meat. No, 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 no. I'm not going all the way. It's. I mean, it's fine. I've done vegetarian before, so if we need to go there, I'm like, not. It's I'm fine. not. I'm not. I. I can't go. I can't. I mean, I could, <laughs> but I'm, this is not what I'm asking. I want to baby step us, okay? So all I'm saying is is meatless meals. Mm. I read somewhere mm. that if we reduce our meat intake by just a third, by about thirty three percent, that would greatly reduce the greenhouse gases. That would greatly increase. Uh, the longevity of the planet's health. And so if you think about three meals a day, many of us don't eat three meals a day, but let's say three meals a day, that's one meal a day that you don't eat meat. No bacon, no pork chops, no steak, no chicken, no whatever it is. And so can you reduce your meat intake by a third? Or one meal a day. Now, I know we got a lot of vegetarians and vegans listening. So it's easy for you. Great. Y'all are carrying weight for the rest of us. I'm a meat eater. You're going to get BJ up in these comments being like, I told you. I know. Look. (laughs) BJ, great, man. Great. You're going to outlive us all. He is, though. Like, I'm dead serious. Like, BJ (laughs) BJ looks like he's, like, 20 years old. He's serious about this. For real. For real. But, so some of us got to catch up. All right. So, so you could do it. You could do a meatless Monday. You could do um, a meatless meal a day, you know, breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever it might be. But I'm, all I'm saying is reduce your meat. In okay. Now we got to be specific. Like we got to be specific because let's say breakfast, if I eat a bowl of frosted flakes, that's not meat, but like, it can't be like that's processed right. sugar and stuff like that. So just, just throwing that out there. Cause I know how I think I'd be like, yo, I ain't got no meatless, nothing for breakfast. Oh, no beet dope. Fruity pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. So no meatless money, so, but, a, yeah. but a healthy replacement. Okay. Right. What you got? Okay. Um, yeah. So this, this kind of falls into mind and spirit. Um, this is kind of crazy, but I think it's just important for us. Um, no arguing online, bro. Like, just cut it out. Wait a minute. What? No no arguing what? online. What? No arguing online. No back and forth under anything for, for any reason. On Facebook, on Twitter, whether it's sports related, whether it's we just having fun laughing about it. No back and forth. Just nothing. No back, Bruh, back and I'm forth. I'm confused. No argument. What does that even look like? Uh, man, what does that look, look like? Look, okay, so uh, this is one thing, and I've said it, like, man, I've tried to post less on Facebook and Twitter, right? Tried to have discipline, tried to stay away from the petty stuff. I got a lot of tweets in my drafts that I need to go through and clean out because I'm like, man, if on a rainy day, 
if if the thunder hits just right, you know, I might just accidentally slip my finger over that send button and see what happens. But I think it's really healthy for us to not live our lives online. And while I think online forums, I think people diminish them in ways that are unhealthy. So they diminish and dismiss online forums. And they say, yeah, people ain't online. The, the vast majority of Americans aren't online. At the same time, great movements, we think particularly back to Black Lives Matter and what was accomplished there. Um, we think particularly about the Colin Kaepernick protests and how it caught fire on Twitter. There are great things that have happened through online activism. But I think we waste a lot of time getting into the back and forths. So in as much as we are capable of it, I say we stay away from getting into back and forth with people who we know we're not going to come to any sort of agreement with at that time, which is 99% of people. We're not going to come to a happy medium. We're not going to come to a consensus. We're not going to change our minds over 280 characters. So let's just chill on it. That's Facebook, which is an arguer's medium. And then that's Twitter as well, which is kind of a dunked on medium. And I think it's necessary, like, this is the thing. I think it's necessary to be sharp in our rhetoric sometimes. I think it's necessary to rebuke. I think it's necessary to critique, especially when these critiques represent broader sociological systems and broader sin systems as well that are in place. So I'm not saying we just, you know, talk about roses and quote scriptures. But what I am saying is I think it is important for us um, to protect our peace, protect our energy. And so I need accountability in that. That's something I've, I feel like I do well sometimes, don't do well other times. So no arguing online. So I think that's pretty fair. I, mental health, spiritual health, I think, I think we can get that together. I mean, I mean, the first thing I thought of is white allies or, or advocates who have spoken up, which then means I don't need to speak up. Does that apply there too? You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's very fascinating. That's a great question. And I'm not saying stop again. This is what I said beforehand. If it's work that you do and the work that you do is valuable, I'm not, don't let it bind your conscience. I'm just saying I need accountability in this area. And I know there are a lot of other people who need accountability in this area of getting into frivolous debates, frivolous arguments, frivolous back and forth that really don't do anything to move the conversation forward. So if you're a white ally and you're someone who's stepping up and you have a specific role in, and we know a number of people who are doing that extremely well in a way that's encouraging, great. But let's be honest about what we're doing here. And I think that can be up to each person's determination, each person's conscience to say, yo, I know I'm, I'm, I'm starting these threads and it's healthy, but do I have to go back and forth with every single person? <laughs> do I have to go back and forth with every person who talks about me? Do I have to quote tweet every person who's interacting with me? Man, there's some people, maybe it's not, don't argue online. Maybe it's mute and block. Or maybe it's just muting certain people. Just mute yeah. all the people who are in your, in your mentions all the time, provoking and stirring you up. There are some accounts that we go to and we're just trying to see like, what did this person say next? What did this person say? Yeah, then? that's true. That's true. You know, and and I think you that's when we need to take a step back and say, "Yo, we 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 need to chill. We need to take a step away." That's good. And so this this may just be for black people. This may be for black Christians, but I think it is healthy for us not to get in those back and forths. Yeah, I mean, my rule of thumb is, especially in the last, I don't know, eight months to a year, um, 
I just I say what I'm going to say, and then I almost don't even check the comments at all, like even on uh, social media, certainly not on like an article or anything like that. But um, even if I suspect it might be controversial, if I really believe what I'm saying, I go ahead and put it out there. But I don't go back and forth like people. They can disagree. They, they, they can disagree. That's fine. I'm not out here to to try to convince you on social media, random person who I've never met and, uh, you know, spend my time and my energy on it. And so it's not that we can't say what we mean and mean what we say. It's just recognizing the the limits of the medium. In terms of social media, right? It's, That's what I want. You things. put it in even better terms. You put it in even better terms than I could. That's exactly what I want. I just want us to to be wise on there. So that's good. That's good. No, we need to. Some of us got an argumentative spirit, and and social media just like is is so tempting. So on that same tip, uh, my second uh, thing to cut out or or cease and desist from is social media first thing in the morning. So for me, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Interesting. For me, the biggest temptation (laughs) is you wake up and, you know, we used to just hit the snooze button. A lot of us still do. I never did. I never got that because I'm I'm, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. But um, instead of just like hitting the snooze button or trying to go back to sleep or even just getting out of bed, we'll pick up the phone. And the first thing we'll do is open Twitter, open Instagram, open Snapchat, open Facebook, whatever it might be. And then next thing you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes go by, you're scrolling through. And the way you're starting the day is amped up on antagonism. Because that's what so much of social media is, is people disagreeing Mm. with each other. It's all very immediate and in the moment. And so in a way, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trash social media like, like some folks do. Like, I just, I find it really helpful in a lot of ways, especially if I'm trying to keep up with current events. It's basically replace the morning newspaper, right? You want to know what's going on in the world. You open up the paper in the morning. That's what they used to do. Now you can scroll through, you know, whatever app you have, but. If that's the very first thing you're doing, I think for me, it does something to my spirit. It sets me off on a trajectory of paying attention to the latest controversy, the latest, you know, flare up without soaking myself in sort of things that are deeper, without even just giving myself time to think, right? Like, Imagine that's that's a lot of times when we have our best, most creative energy is first thing in the morning after we've had after our brains have had a chance to rest and that then the ideas can come to us. Then the ideas can flow. But we're interrupting that flow when we open that app and we just scroll through other people's thoughts, other people's feelings, mm. other people's mm. opinions. And and yeah. and so I think and and that for me that time of day is not only one of the biggest temptations to get on social media but also one of the most detrimental times because I could be doing so much more creative work at that time. So I don't know what the hard and fast rule is. It could be no social media the first hour after you get up. Um, another yeah, that one sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, get up, work out, have prayer time you know, spend time with friends, roommates, family, whatever. Um, but, but just not first thing in the morning, just, just let it rest. Hmm. Things will be okay. If you really need to put something out there, schedule it, schedule a, a post. They let you do that on most social media platforms. You ain't got to open it up. You did it the night before. So see how that, <laughs> let that sizzle in your spirit. <laughs> 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 
you silly, bro. Yo, you silly. Um, that's really good. Okay, uh, yeah, that's that's very good. Uh, for the last one, mine number two for things we're gonna cut out. Um, let's go back to body. No soda or sugary drinks. Ooh. Um, unless you just like juicing yourself or something like that. But um, no, no soda, no sugary drinks. So I didn't want to say like no juice because like you may be juicing or you may have some like very organic things. But let's just stay away from the soda, man. Let's just do water. Um, some people like need to cut out caffeine. Um, mm. uh, we need to limit our ca- caffeine intake, which is probably what's getting a lot of us who work um, very hard and are trying to keep it together. Um, that's definitely something we should um, we should cut out. So soda is doing it's nothing good. for us; just yeah. acid. It's all you sugar. Know, it's packing acid. on the pounds. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not a good combination. Making us sluggish. I saw that one <laughs> that one clip that uh, Kevin uh, Kevin on stage. He said. Uh, he had that clip of Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. He <laughs> yeah. He's like, when that first sip of Sprite from McDonald's hits. You know. McDonald's Sprite hits. And that's it's so true, bro. Like, it doesn't, I, I don't think it's because like, I don't eat at McDonald's, but like any sort of Sprite, when it hits that first time, you're like, oh, it's, it's so, so good. Refreshing. Um, it's so refreshing, but there's, you know. Uh, but you pay the really price. Really nasty uh, bite back to that. So yeah, no no soda, no sugary drinks. And that's soda hasn't really been as much of a thing for me, but I think like some of these juices, bro. The, you know, you think you're drinking some halfway healthy is just pure sugar. Like yeah, we need to cut grams. that out. So that's Yeah, good. check them grams. So for a lot of people they're like, yo, this is no brainer, but I this think is for old, us it's yeah. gonna be important. You yeah, know, look, I'm sorry. I'm not I didn't I didn't wake up like this, okay? I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> right. I gotta be intelligent and thoughtful. About we gotta, hey, we gotta reset. We just reset, man. We reset. Like, okay? I mean, you Grace, know, people Grace. are out there like, shoot, bro. I work out six times a week. I'm vegan. I don't have hey, man. man. Yo, look, since I you, was you in the Black I was Panther? Like, you already in Black Panther two. You were in <laughs> Black you. Panther one. Uh, Do you? You was one of the the originals. Like I, I love that. That's great. You was one of the Jabari. You know, you, know, you one of the Jabari tribe. Us. Like yo, but for the rest of us. We, we trying to like get that. right. We trying to get right. Okay, now let's add some positive things here. So we got yes. four things: one, one meatless meal a day, no arguing online, no social media in the first hour. You wake up, and then no soda or processed sugary drinks. Let's add some positive things. So, what's your first positive thing that we're going to add, Jamar? Um, I love writing, and so I think one of the things I'm going to try to do instead of checking social media first thing is actually journal, um, or write something. So I know we have a lot of listeners who who are writers and love to write. And the encouragement I would give you if you already like to write is make it a routine, make it a habit, make it make it just a discipline. And you can you can like read advice by any great writer you admire, especially a productive one. And they'll say it's not inspiration, it's discipline. Like you sit down and you write whether you feel like it or not. And for this journaling, it doesn't have to be like that, right? Like you don't have to write like a coherent article that you're going to post publicly somewhere. It can just be reflection. It can be a dream journal. It can be a prayer journal, whatever it is, but it's just writing. Um, writing by hand is certainly powerful. And and so if if that's your thing, go for it. But even if it's an online journal. Um, so my, my most consistent journal is just a Word document that I have. And I've had it for years now. And it's over... It's, it's, it's close to 200,000 words now. Um, but 
I've also got um, the sort of best of both worlds. I have one of the iPad Pros that has the the stylus pencil so that I can actually physically handwrite, but it's in an electronic format. So whatever works mm, for you. Wow. But 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 getting up whenever whatever part of the day works for you, but writing, journaling, chronicling. I'm a I'm a I'm a lover of history, so I love going back through journals and just reading what I wrote before, where I was, mm. and honestly what God has done, what what God has brought me through, what he's taught me, and all those kinds of things. So as a positive thing to add for your mental health and your spiritual health, journal. Man, that's good. That's healthy. That's healthy. Um, I'll throw in some kind of off that side that's going to help all of these mind, body, and spirit. Observe Sabbath. Ooh. Observe Sabbath. Ooh, that's um, a good one. Man, so there's this book that I read by a great ethicist, theologian. Um, he was a Judaistic rabbi, um, Abraham Heschel. It's called The Sabbath. It's incredible. Um, and so the book, The Sabbath, really challenged me, but I haven't really applied it. It's been like great knowledge, but I haven't really like applied it. Um, so I'm like, bruh, I need to actually like work through this and see how he does like his Sabbath. And it talks about some specific things, but it also talks about philosophy of the created order and how, you know, for six days God worked and six days we are supposed to pour everything we have, you know, into um, our work, our lives, our family. But then we take a step back and we say, God is God. <laughs> He's sovereign and he's omnipotent and I need to stop. And so I need to take rest and leave of what that looks like. And so I think, you know, I don't want to be legalistic about what that would look like. Um, for some people, that's 12 hours realistically. For other people, that's 24 hours. For other people, it's like, man, how do I observe a Sabbath with young kids? Like, that's definitely right on. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out myself. Like, how do you have Sabbath with a one-year-old? She don't recognize that. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily like a, an idea of a peaceful harmony where nothing happens that could take you out of your focus, but it's just no work, man. Like just stay away from the work, cut everything off, leave your email alone. Don't go into the office. And even if that's for 12 hours, I think that's healthy. Um, if that's for 24 hours, even better, but hopefully it's, you know, you're able to do things that bring you joy. Um, you're able to decompress, you're able to stay away from technology and some of the the rat race things that kind of keep our minds going. And you're able to spend some time alone with God as well and observe prayer and and silence and solitude and some of these other things that we neglect when we're moving so quickly. So if you get that opportunity, man, Heschel's The Sabbath is good. Obviously, you know, um, missing Christ. <laughs> so that's the thing that would bring it into full focus. But Heschel was a beast in how he articulated the Sabbath. And um, yeah, so that book I'm going to be revisiting and definitely processing that over the next few weeks and hopefully that becomes something that our family can start to really consistently do and observe makes us better as well. So yeah, that's my number two. So you set me up and so I got to go here. Uh, this is still on your uh -oh. point and then I'll get to mine, but briefly, uh -oh. you know, you love it. The Westminster yeah. confession of faith chapter go. 21, here he goes. section eight on the Sabbath. It says this Sabbath, is to be kept holy unto the Lord when men and women, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe and holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts, 
about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. That's your whole theological paradigm right there. There (laughs) Keep the Sabbath. In order to keep the Sabbath, prepare your hearts and order your affairs beforehand. In other words, Whatever day is your Sabbath, because I know pastors, y'all work See, Sunday. I don't know how that. It ain't legalistic. It ain't legalistic. It's a lot of stuff that goes in. All this is saying is whatever day is your Sabbath, get your stuff together beforehand, the day before, so that you can rest the next day. And then it says not only rest from your works, words, and thoughts about your worldly employments, your jobs, and it also includes some forms of recreation. That's a sticking point that that a lot of people debate, but then. It adds a positive to it, but are taken up the whole time in public and private exercises of God's worship. So that means, you know, congregational worship, prayer, Bible reading, things of that nature, other things that are worshipful. Um, uh, you know, it, it could be going outside, it could be, you know, meditation, whatever it might be, and in the duties of necessity and mercy. So it doesn't preclude, you know, the the Bible passage that says, well, well, if your ox falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, are you going to get it out? Or you, <laughs> right, it's the right, Sabbath, right. you're not going to do work. Um, so it says, yeah, there's room for for works of necessity, uh, like like cooking and, and eating or, or works of mercy, uh, that which would alleviate the hardship of others. So there is a whole theology behind it. Heschel, like you mentioned, is there there are other place like uh this this the the confessions and the creeds might mention it but i think that's a really great one and i think it's i mean it's one of the 10 commandments but one that we often overlook or underplay so my last amen, one amen. is this see a therapist Ooh, okay yes 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 go there jamar talk about yeah, this so talk about this yes yes mental health Mental health and black people, this is us especially, mental health is so vital and so underutilized in terms of getting professional help. And there's this stigma in many communities, but I'm familiar with it in black communities, a stigma that if you see a therapist, that means something's like really, really wrong with you. It means there's something uh, shameful going on with you. It means that in a way that, you know, you're weak or you can't handle it. Uh, there's even a sort of religious spin on this where, oh, just bring it all to God. You know, pray about <laughs> right, it. Read right, your Bible. Right. It'll it'll take care of itself like that. All Obviously, that's good. But that doesn't preclude actually getting professional help to deal with some of the stuff we're dealing with and and make no mistake we're dealing with some wretched stuff yep yep, yep. uh f- from racism and injustice to the everyday vicissitudes of life and just being human in a sinful broken and fallen world um so we need to 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 get folks who are trained to help us uh get emotionally and mentally healthy and i had my first experience of this in seminary, there was a um, marriage and family therapy uh, school attached to the seminary. As students, we got a massive discount to go. And I mean, we were with trainees most of the time, uh, other students learning this, but it was still an extremely healthy experience for me uh, just to have a safe place 
to say anything that I needed to say, anything that was on my mind, conflicts with other people, uh, emotional stuff that I've been through, even just talk about future plans and vocations, things like that. And then to get, to get feedback on it in the form mostly of questions. You know, why are you thinking this? What, what makes mm-hmm. you think you want that? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, is really helpful to think through. And, and, and there's just this, there's this, there's so much mental life and thought activity that goes unexamined in our lives. And because it's unexamined, we actually don't understand ourselves or our world as, as, hmm. as well as we could. Uh, so I want people to have that. And I myself have been saying forever, all right, I need to go back. I need to get therapy again. Um, but I just haven't, I just haven't done it yet. So I'm taking this opportunity as a challenge. Now there's a huge financial component to this. This right, stuff is right. not privilege, cheap. privilege, yeah. Um, massive privilege to be able to to go to therapy. Uh, if you are are fortunate enough to have insurance, check to see if if therapy like this would be included. If you're a student somewhere. Um, most of the time they will have services for free or very inexpensive for students um, on campus or, or through the school some way. Uh, if you're in a rural area like me where we, there just ain't no therapist nearby, uh, it would be like a whole day or at least a half day affair to go to someone. They do have online therapy now, yeah, um, they do. which is not the same thing as real life, but it, it's, it's, it's not, it's better than nothing in a lot of ways. And it can be really, really beneficial. Um, also a challenge so, with finding black therapists as well, which I've heard a lot of people. My, 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 oh my, 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 we can do a whole episode on that. Um, but yeah, seeking professional help. And if you absolutely cannot get professional therapy from another human being, then grab a book on mental health and go through it with someone like it's, it's, it's cool if you just do it on your own, but it's even better if you can get someone else who you trust uh, to, to go through it with you and y'all can bounce ideas. It could be a, even a small group thing, but paying attention to our mental health and, and, and being guided and shepherded in that process through therapy. Man, that's good, bro. Okay. So, so far we have journal um, or write something every day. Observe the Sabbath weekly. See a therapist. Man, these are really good things. Um, last one. This is a body thing. Raw performance. If we talk about being functional versus being optimal, like then we have to get sleep. So got to get at oh, least good. seven hours of sleep. Good. Now, this is the hardest one because I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to do this with a baby. <laughs> got a one-year-old, yeah. then got another one coming. Um, so I have absolutely no idea how this is actually going to work itself out. But I think there are some... Little ways we could probably shift our family. I think I get probably six hours, five to six hours a night, uh, but that's not enough, man. And I think I feel it in the middle of the day. So I think naps are a ministry. So if you can get a nap, that's awesome. But I think there's something special about us getting sleep at night. So I think seven hours, man, pretty self-explanatory. Our body, our bodies need to heal, and our bodies need to be rejuvenated and replenished and refreshed for the next day. So. I think it's a reasonable request that we get at least seven hours of sleep, man. I I, I know that's going to be tough for those mm. of us who work multiple jobs and do certain stuff and do kind of uh, intellectual work. So it's like writing or, you know, podcasting or speaking um, or discipling stuff that, you know, you, you never know. Like you never know. So you never know as a pastor when you could get a call at like six in the morning or six at night and it could take you six hours. <laughs> you just don't know. Like, so 
Um, I totally understand that. But if you can, on the days where everything is is equal, you know, making sure that you get to sleep at night, then that probably means again, you know, we have to adjust some for social media. We have to adjust some for our Netflix habits, our streaming habits, uh, our television. It's going to be especially tough during the playoffs. Uh, so we should probably, oh, you know, adjust that as well. Ooh. But man, how bad do you want to be healthy? Um, That's good. You know, so again, right. no legalism, but I think it's just, it's good for us. And one of the things we didn't put in here is is exercise, cardio, outdoor activity. So I think you guys know that. That's probably something that'll be healthy. But just to run back through everything, on the negative end, we're going to cut out uh, or we're going to cut out meat for one meal a day. We're going to cut out arguing online, cut out social media the first hour we wake up, and then cut out soda, processed sugary drinks. On a positive end, uh, we're going to journal or write something every day, observe a Sabbath weekly, see a therapist on a semi-regular basis, and every night try to get at least seven hours of sleep. This is crazy, bro. This, this feels is, like the movement means, right now. It feels like we're training soldiers out here. Let's 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 check in on each other on the podcast for the next four weeks. Okay, yeah. So this is the thing. And so what I what I recognize is we could have this big start date, but it's best not to do that. And it's actually best to just start it. So when you hear this, just start. That's good. Um when you hear this, just get going. So like we're we'll we're on the you. clock now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um and so if you're if you're participating in this challenge, tweet at us uh, with the hashtag as well or use the hashtag uh, PTM whole. So we'll just do that. PTM whole. And you can say I'm participating. W-H-O-L-E. Yes. PTM W-H-O-L-E. And you can say, you know, no meatless, no, you know, meatless meal. I'm not arguing online. <laughs> However you do that. Show us your journal entries uh, or a journal book that you at least doing something um man see a therapist let me let me encourage you in this regard because some people don't have legit community yeah that's pushing them yeah. to this and let me just encourage you if nobody's told you that you are valuable you matter um your body is important and god has something for you to do that's why you're still living mm. and so if that's you who doesn't have someone maybe, you know, to, to work with you or to walk with you through all this. I just want to challenge you. I just want to encourage you as well. Um, you deserve this. This is important. God wants this for you. So take care of yourself, mind, body, spirit, do these small things, cut these things out, add these things. And hopefully whenever it is that we decide, I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm not going to say like, ah, so 21 days it's 30 days. I mean, I know that's probably safer, healthier, but I just want to make some changes in my life that last me a generation, not just one year, not just one month, not just the summer. So make these changes. Hopefully you come out on the other end healthier, but you deserve this. This is good for you. You're valuable. So take care of yourself. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more. 
who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.